0: Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. I have Melanie Cook, Managing Director for the Asia-Pacific Region of Global Learning Provider Hyper Island on the line to discuss how people and companies have adapted in these changing times and how learning may actually be the primary coping mechanism of the pandemic.
1: Yes, my name is Melanie Cook. I have the privilege of uh, joining people on their learning journey as they figure out how to transform in fast changing world that we live in uh proud to say i'm half malaysian so even though my accent doesn't give it away um, i'm a proud
0: seapark girl Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm delighted to be here now, uh, we'll be discussing quite a, a variety of topics today. Basically, we'll just be taking a look uh, generally at uh, how people have been adapting to the pandemic, essentially, which I know people have talked about, you know, till the cows have come home, uh, essentially. But it's, it's interesting to, to look at it from different points of view. So my first question that I do want to ask you uh, in terms of uh, looking at how people have been coping and adapting is how consumer or customer behavior has changed, because I think that's really important for businesses to, to be aware of. Absolutely. I
1: have been so surprised how uh, consumer expectations have changed. Um, And interestingly, if you asked me this question a month ago, my answer would have been different. Mm -hmm. So I think the more stock answer is that uh, people like Amazon, uh, Lazada, Alibaba, Tencent, all of these all of these uh, tech-driven retail companies have totally changed the customer experience where people are expecting to be able to speak directly to vendors uh, through the airwaves. They're expecting things to be delivered, if not in two hours, certainly in two days. And that has absolutely raised the expectations for all companies. So that is why, um, even traditional supermarkets now have to figure out how they can get, uh, fresh goods to the customers who are unfortunately perhaps, you know, in lockdown at homes, mm-hmm. um, how, how to, to do that, um, in a way that they've come to expect because the pandemic and the big technology companies are reshaping, uh, the customer experience Mm. so that is probably the standard answer yeah and my in my last month or so I've also realized um, how important the human touch is Mm -hmm. because as a school we our default, actually, is people coming to the campus to learn with us. Mm. Uh, that face to face, that you know, even if we're not touching each other because we have social distancing, we we're swapping Post-Its, we're building things together. Um, even if it's you know Lego buildings where we are not allowed to talk to each other, and um, the point of the matter is that we're face to face. And I think people actually now, their expectation is that that face-to-face connection is not lost. Mm. So instead of replacing the old with the new of faster, more interactive, uh, more powerful, one could argue, people are demanding that actually... I want that face-to-face interaction a little Mm. bit more. And are you willing to wait maybe a week or two in order to get to be able to speak with someone face-to-face? Even if it's on an online setting, um, would you be willing to wait for your product to do that? I suspect a lot more people would
0: say yes now. Mm. Like there's a sort of... um uh, a fight between convenience and communication or connection, I guess, happening right now with consumers?
1: I think so. Mm. You know,
0: I really do think so. And and
1: consumers are expecting companies to, especially
0: companies in service industries, uh, to facilitate that. Mm. And that's actually really interesting because that brings me to my next question, right? This need to hear directly from, you know, get in touch directly with companies and to have that, Uh, channel to communicate with companies, I think also ties into the importance of authenticity. I think a lot more companies and brands are now starting to really pick up on the fact that consumers are getting um, a lot more, uh, I guess, genre savvy is the only way that I can describe it, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, It's a lot
1: lot less easy to uh, trick people. Um, And... That's a good thing, I would say, because it's also a lot easier to find out what people really want. Mm -hmm. So there are advantages and disadvantages to the business. I mean, businesses that run with integrity and transparency with their customers will only benefit from getting more genre savvy customers, right? Because customers know that actually, if I do end up rating a supplier on a marketplace, for example, it's only going to make the service that I get and others get around me even better because you want the people with the higher ratings to
0: be up there when you're searching for something new to buy. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the reason why we're talking about this in relation to, to learning is because I think the pandemic has been an experience that's forced everyone to adapt and to learn new things about themselves and about their customers and about, you know, what what they want their companies to be like. And I think, you know, that question of authenticity really ties into that, right? You have to really be aware of, you know, what is your actual brand passion? Like what is the, the goal and the purpose of your company nowadays? Because people will and can call you out on it. When they feel that a company is not showing that side of themselves or or necessarily delivering on what they've promised, that really does tie into this uh, idea of learning, which we'll get to uh, a little bit more later. I don't think we can talk about the pandemic without talking about digitalization as well. And you are someone who really believes in what is referred to as like a hybridized future. So tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I hate to say anything is inevitable because we <laughs> don't um, know anymore. Proven, yeah, yeah. As proven uh, in the last 18 months, uh, we just don't know what's mm-hmm. inevitable. I, but in Hyper Island, we. We scenario plan, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we scenario plan and one of the scenario planning uh, that we have done is that people will continue to live in this hybrid world. And what does that mean? People will want a little bit like the customer expectation uh, question, Mm -hmm. People will want to be able to choose whether they interact with their colleagues, their co-workers, their leadership, uh, their subordinates, whether they want to interact with them online. Or face-to-face and wherever that might be, uh, in the office, in co-working spaces, out there in the wild, in cafes. I think people will want to be able to interact in all sorts of different uh, channels Mm -hmm. now, um, both physical and virtual. Now that changes organizational design. It changes Employee experience, because before, if you think about it, right? Um, there was this unsaid rule that I uh, you uh, you're coming in at nine thirty, right? Okay, you're coming in at nine thirty, so you're going to stay till six, right? Instead of leaving at five thirty, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And there are all those untold rules. They're not necessarily bad rules, but the mind will subconsciously clock it as managers, as co-workers. We used to measure people's performance with um, how much time they turn up in the office with, right? Mm. How do you now design an organization where you don't know when people are at the office? Mm -hmm. Do you count the number of hours they are on MS Teams or Slack or whatever communication channel that you use. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, oh, they're on at nine o'clock at night. Oh, that's good then. Is mm-hmm. it? Is it good? I'm not sure that it is. Mm-hmm. So um, hybrid, the hybrid world where people expect companies to facilitate the... The ability to meet online or offline, lead online or offline, bond online or offline, mm-hmm. play online or offline, buy online or offline um, is, is, is very difficult. It's a difficult design to begin to uh, create
0: because you get a lot of duplication mm-hmm. with that it's again those issues of convenience and communication and they're coming up in the workplace as well, right? What is convenient for one person is also not convenient for another person. Someone who might find it more convenient to be more remote, you know, might be at odds with someone who thinks that being face-to-face is really important. And, you know, that requires so much of what we talked about, you know, and again, looking at what suits people the best and how you can make compromises and how you can communicate to each other and be clear about, you know, how you're going to move forward. And as you mentioned, this is I think this is such a turning point for a lot of companies where this will be the moment that will decide, you know, um, are they going to be the kind of company that moves with the times and is able to provide the sort of flexibility and is able to sort of um, understand that things are never going to be the way that they were before the pandemic? Or are they going to be a company that's going to, you know, stick to their guns and and be like, well, you know what, this is the way that we've done it, and we want to keep this consistent, and we want to do this in a certain way. We 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 think this works, so we're just going to go back to what we were doing before. I, I think this is a big uh, point now for a lot of companies. I would say in that in that in that frame, would you say, Melanie, that people are taking more of an initiative to learn, uh, you know, now that the pandemic has happened?
1: I would say yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would say that initiative is taken by people whose organisations allow it mm-hmm. as well. So I think it, it, there needs to be a push and a pull factor um, in in people's ability to adopt it. So I've just finished a really interesting session with a group of learners. There were actually, I think, 80 of us on the call. And a lot of the learners were speaking to their leaders and they were saying, I need permission from you to learn. And a lot of the leaders were saying, but I would never stop you learning because it's our company policy. Um, down from the CEO that everybody needs to move forward with the times, Mm -hmm. move forward with our customers and our clients. So why would you think I would stop you from learning? But the problem is of old, there hasn't been the space to learn, right? The space has always been filled with, are you making money? Are you bringing additional value to the company? And that's not necessarily an income. If you are someone in Finance, for example, and you're in the the finance department, in the accounting department. No, you're not generating money with customers face to face, but you certainly are adding value to the business in your own way. And in the past, 100% of your time, the 9 to 5.30 or the 8 to 8, depending where you worked, um, would be dedicated to your job. Now all of a sudden, leaders have said, "Oh gosh, you know we all have to change." In fact, I know that because I'm having to learn how to lead a team and bond and all of those build cultures um, via uh, via a screen, you know, instead of being uh, right next to them. So I know that I have to learn, and therefore it means that my team has to learn. Mm. But unless a leader gives the tacit permission for people to learn, uh, they, they won't, they, they, they will not believe they are allowed to learn. So mm. that's where um, there's a push and pull factor. Many, many people are learning. I mean, in the last two years, we've actually doubled our master's cohort year on year right so mm-hmm. that is just showing that people are standing up and saying right i'm going to go on to uh, a graduate education mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. however <laughs> if uh, if companies and leaders do not facilitate uh, the space to learn then all of that potential and motivation will just dissipate away
0: mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is such an, uh, an important point. We are going to take a short break, but after that, I will continue speaking to Melanie Cook, Managing Director for the Asia-Pacific Region of Global Learning Provider, Hybrid Island, uh, about learning and adapting in the pandemic, and specifically how companies can support their employees in upskilling and learning as well. So do stay tuned to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9. Beating Fickle Mindsets, BFM. The Business Station. Listening to Raise Your Game, I'm Christine Wong. I have Melanie Cook, Managing Director for the Asia Pacific region of global learning provider Hyper Island online with me today. We've been discussing a number of uh, topics, really, talking about consumer behavior, talking about authenticity, the hybridized future. And this all is in line with uh, our main topic, which is basically how the pandemic has affected learning and the way that we've done that. So I think learning also throughout this pandemic is sort of one of the only things we've been able to control. <laughs> During the pandemic, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like uh, when when the world has been thrust into such an uncontrollable situation, learning and trying to find new things to to better yourself in is sort of like a coping mechanism. What would you say about that?
1: I would completely agree. I think I think people do, however, fall into two very different categories unfortunately Mm -hmm. I mean of course there's never black and white in Mm -hmm. this in this world you know there's many many shades of gray I think people whose mental health have been less affected by the pandemic they are in the growth mindset Mm -hmm. so they're in the mindset that I don't know what I can do next. I don't know how to deal with this because we are now in a benchmarkless world. Mm-hmm. I've never had to onboard someone into the organization and not shake their hand. I mean, that is down to the brass tacks, right? We, we are now signing contracts and we are, are getting um, newbies in and they're saying, yes, I'm going to put my career into your company. Um, and I, I can't shake their hand and say thank you for coming to join us. Mm-hmm. I think people who... Are dealing with that sort of fundamental change mm-hmm. with a growth mindset because their mental health allow them to approach it with a growth mindset mm-hmm. um, will find the space to learn. Right. Because they will have the questions that are innately in them. OK, mm-hmm. so something like that. How do I onboard someone that I can't shake the hand of? OK, well, let me go um, and look at some online facilitation courses, mm-hmm. for example. Um, that, that could be a way of, of doing it. And they will be in a growth mindset. Unfortunately, there are people, and there has been an increase um, worldwide um, in uh, reported cases of uh, mental health disruption um, across uh, all ages, Mm -hmm. uh, across industries. Some industries are affected more than others because, of course, some industries are far more unstable because of the pandemic Mm. versus others. Um, And unfortunately, those people um, can't find the space to learn Mm. because they're busy trying to figure out how to survive. Yeah. And what I would say is really, really important is for co-workers, for leaders, for friends to family to look out for those people and maybe reach out to them and say, hey, I know it's really difficult right now. Why don't we learn together how we can overcome this? Mm. And so you sort of hold their hand with your growth mindset mm-hmm. uh, in their comfort zone, bring
0: them slowly to learn with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the uh, the power of community when it comes to learning, I think is, is um, really, really important and can't ever be overstated. Now, you know, speaking about that, right, my last point that I want to touch on is uh, the fact that companies do, need to create that space for their employees to upskill, to learn new things, to improve themselves, right? So how can companies begin to do this? Well,
1: you can, there are many, many versions of this as we've talked about. So the first version is just giving permission. Mm -hmm. saying, hey, it's okay to take an hour a week to learn. Uh, You're allowed to, pop it in your diary. Um, The... The next step up might be, okay. um, your KPIs, one of your KPIs, your key performance indicators is the number of hours you've learned or uh, the number of new concepts you you have shared with your team. Mm. So that is using KE. Performance indicators to measure uh, to measure the learning
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, how much you're paying it forward. Right. The other thing you could do is, for example, bring on people like Le- uh, LinkedIn Learning, mm-hmm. make it available to everyone. Bring on learning providers like us, <laughs> Hyper Island, um, INSEAD, Harvard. All of these big, big uh, universities are now available online and they're not costly, Mm -hmm. right? So you can really um, reach out uh, to your learners and and share resources with them, as we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. For me, however, The real, real way you can support learning in an organization is putting money where your mouth is. And I don't mean money just in terms of ringgit or dollars and cents. I actually mean it in terms of resourcing. So a lot of operating models you will see will say, "Okay, you have a thousand ringgit. Set aside a year, 2,000, 5,000 for leaders. Set aside every year for you to to use it as you will uh, to improve your learning, right? You have a 1,000 ringgit squirreled away for learning. And you say to all your employees, this is available. Go on, do it. But your employee is working from eight in the morning to nine at night, busy trying to keep their job or what they think is necessary to keep your job. It doesn't matter how much money the company has squirreled away. You have to change your operating model. So in Hyper Island, we have actually changed our operating model to inculcate learning time and innovation time. So what we have said is 65% of your time of your week of the working week is spent generating money for the core business. 20% of your time. So that's a day a week. You need to be innovating for the core business. And 10% of your time, which is one day every two weeks You need to be doing something that you feel will develop you. Hmm. And the way we track it is actually in timesheets. So we have a look at the what people are doing, how they're innovating. We also have sharing sessions. So once a month, we share with each other Mm -hmm. what innovation has happened, uh, what learning has happened. So it's really, really important to change both your operating model and your business model to really put your your money where your mouth is Mm -hmm. or your resourcing where your mouth is Mm -hmm. when it comes to learning. That is the ultimate way you can support learning.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And I think uh, another really important thing is also to ask your employees what they want to learn. I think, uh, you know, you may be surprised at your employees are actually eager and and, and enthusiastic to learn they just don't have the space or the resources or they may not even know exactly what they want to learn but they might you know ask for guidance in that way and that you can you can actually move aside and help them right Uh, instead of uh, for example you force everyone to go for a course that no one really wants to be at and then that sort of defeats the purpose right so I think that's also another another big factor is is actually you know again going back to communication talking to uh, you know getting down the ground and talking to to the people in your company.
1: I uh, get yeah, totally, totally. I remember going uh, to—I I went to Ameri- America to give a talk, and I had the the privilege of being able to hear the ex CEO of the New York Times, and this is when the New York Times went from a newspaper to a malt multimedia news center Mm -hmm. and he basically said that he had some crazy guys and they came up to his office you know there was half an hour in his diary from these people i'd never met before they but they insisted they needed to see me and they came up and they said you need to have vr experiences people really need to get much more attached um, to the stories that the New York Times is telling through virtual experiences. And he said, well, why is that? You know, why is that? Um, and that is a key question he asked because he wanted to learn why that was The answer they gave is very, very simple. He said, because people aren't reading long form anymore. So when you read long form, you really get to connect with the story behind it. If you're only reading the, you know, the the first paragraph that is in bold and then maybe the end to see the conclusion, you're not getting attached to the article Mm. or the story or the person's plight that the story is about. But if you can do it in VR, in virtual reality, so people can actually step into that person's situation for three minutes, then you will be achieving the same thing as you achieve with long form reading. Um, And the the key there, he didn't throw these guys out of the office they didn't have a vr they didn't they hardly had a development team right but what he didn't do as a leader was throw these guys out of the office and say yeah that that's not our business model we spell sell newspapers thank you very much you know off you go what he said was tell me why we need this what is the consumer need behind this in order for me to start investing in this mm. and uh, yeah the
0: question why is key to learning absolutely well on that note thank you so much melanie for joining me on the show today most welcome thank you for having me I've absolutely enjoyed it you've been listening to Raise Your Game with me Christine Wong I've been speaking to Melanie Cook Managing Director for the Asia-Pacific region of global learning provider Hyper Island we've been talking about learning coping with it uh, how people have been adapting and many other topics today if you've missed any of today's conversation you can go ahead and download our app that's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play you can also listen to the podcast on our website bfm.my this is BFM 89.9